Welcome to Sadie's Divorce and Happy Podcast, where I discuss life after divorce with a playful, spicy, fresh perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, lively 10-minute talks, and tips to happiness. Are you ready for an amazing act two? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get your new beginning started. Finding a new home after a divorce, it can be it can be an exciting adventure and it can also be a huge source of stress. I know that when I was in the midst of my divorce, one of my biggest fears was that I was not going to be able to find a home, one that I could afford, but also one that my kids and I would feel comfortable in. And I wasn't in a position to buy a home after my divorce, so I had to rent. And in the midst of my search for a new home, something amazing happened. I found my flat. My flat is my apartment, but it's actually a duplex. I live in a duplex on the lower level. And I call it my flat because I, well, I secretly want to be British and have that cool accent. But I also, I also, uh, I'm a bit creative. And so I had to name my home because my home is magical to me. It's, it's a place where I feel incredibly safe, where I can breathe, where I can dream and create, where I can take my podcasts and my nook. And like I said, I, I live in a duplex and one of my best friends, Don, Don lives above me. And thanks to Don, I found this new home. And she and I, interestingly, we were roommates back well, years and years ago when I was in my 30s. And we're just really good friends. Don knows all my secrets and she's such a source of support. Living with her during COVID has been so fantastic. Just to have her literally a few steps uh, above me has been amazing for me and for my children. And so I'm just so grateful. I feel so incredibly grateful to have a home that I love so much. And that's why I wanted to create this episode today because I want you and I want everyone after a divorce to have his or her own flat, a magical place, a safe space. And my guest, my guest, Angela Reem also wants this for you. She's a rock star real estate agent. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, living her best life in Tulsa. And she's also been divorced. So she's done this before. She's found a home after divorce. And she's here to give you some professional tips for buying a house after divorce. And maybe you're looking for a house now or maybe a year from now now or five years from now. Regardless, Angela wants to help you. She wants to help you better prepare on how to find your own home sweet home. So let's kick off this sweet conversation with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. Well, I am so excited to ask my guest, real estate agent, Angela Reem, about these delicious burning questions. Are you ready over there, Angela? Oh, I am ready. How is life in Oklahoma today before we dive into all the burning fun? Oh, it was it was hot. I was going to say, 90s. Was burning up? <laughs> Were you burning up over there? It's hot here, yeah. <laughs> so you are really ready for these questions, and aren't you? I am really ready. Okay, here we go. We're going to uh, have 60 seconds on the clock. The goal is to answer as many questions as you can with in that time frame and they have been tailored just for you. All right. Are you more of a Victorian house kind of gal or a Tudor style kind of gal? Tudor style. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, how bananas has the last year been as a real estate agent? 10 bananas. As a working mom, how fast do you think you can eat a meal? Under a minute. <laughs> how many steps as a real estate agent do you think you get in one day? Oh gosh. 11,000 or your, more. Or more. What's your favorite real estate word? Sold. 
Being a recovering good girl is amazing because you realize your self-worth. What's the weirdest thing people ask to see when touring a house? Um, one time I had a guy take a picture, a lot of pictures of the all the appliances so he could go do research on, you know, all of the, the ages and if they've had any problems or anything. What is an Oklahoma tradition that a lot of people don't know about? Sausage gravy? I don't know. Being divorced has taught you how to prioritize myself. What was your first big purchase? A car. What is a song that you would want to have played as your theme song? Oh, wow. Probably something from ABBA. What's your favorite stress release? Laughing. What makes a home sweet to you? When you walk in and it feels like home. And what is that feeling for you? Happy, warm. Awesome. It's different for everyone. It is. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for answering those burning questions. And now we are all ears. So we're going to talk today about tips for those who are looking to buy a new home after divorce. So for the listener who is ready or who is preparing to get ready to buy a home, what do you want her to know? What do you want him to know? What are your best tips? That when you're going through the process of divorce, you feel lost and you feel a huge sense of loss, not just the relationship, but you know, your things. Exactly. And it's your house is your identity in a lot of ways. So yes, it is. Yes. It's your comfort place. And I think that a lot of people just feel like, oh my gosh, I've lost everything. And you know, you really don't have to feel that way because there is light on the end, you know, at the end of the tunnel, you will be able to, you know, rebuild and gain those things that you've lost and usually come out happier in the end. And so when someone is looking to buy a home, what are some tips that you have for him or her? I am not ready to, to go through that process yet, but, but if I was, I would love to know, like, what do you suggest? So the first thing I usually su- suggest to people is get a feeling from where you are, like, with your credit, you know, the best place to start is by talking to a lender and finding somebody who has great products available. You know, if you have a real estate agent, they can usually point you in the right direction, you know, talking to friends and family, you know, they're good resources. Also, um, somebody who has low fees and lots of different product available to you. Um, But just getting kind of a pulse on where you stand credit wise, because a lot of us do take a hit through divorce. divorce. Right. I was just going to ask because a lot of people right. have their credit right. has been affected after a divorce. So how you have to get your credit at what certain kind of back you in recommend? check. So, so even if you're not in a place, you know, if you're thinking, okay, six months or a, even a year from now, I think I'm going to be buying a house or I would like to buy a house. Go ahead, talk to a lender. They can go ahead and do like a soft pull on your credit, which really won't have a, a profound effect on your credit and just see where you are credit wise, where your debt to income ratio stands, see what you need to do to put you in a position to be able to buy a house, you know, in six months or a year from now or whatever. And they can give you suggestions on credit repair if you need that, you know, gives you time. You know, let's say you have gone through divorce and your ex-spouse, you know, had the house or something like that in their name and they they took it over and they're supposed to refinance, but they have it. You can get them the divorce decree showing that that is in place and it's their debt so that, you know, they can take those things off of your debt to income ratio. You know, they can really help you way before you start the process. So you're prepared when you get to that point. And then, you know, they can also tell you what kind of programs are available to you, whether it's different kind of like, you know, there's FHA, which is a three and a half percent down loan. There's different 
kinds of conventional loans with various levels of down payment, you know, from, you know, 5%, 10%, 20%, all of those, you know, might have a different uh, mortgage insurance rate or some, something like that. But they can kind of walk you through all of those scenarios. The there's lender. Also the lender can walk the you lender, through. Okay. Correct. Correct. And, and there's, you know, programs available to people with 100% financing that a lot of people don't realize. They think, oh, I've already owned a home with my ex and so I don't qualify for 100% financing program, but those are available in states across the United States. So, And a lender would know about them, Angela. Correct. Right. So talk to your lender and say, you know, let's start here with our, you know, figuring out what my credit is and then, you know, just work through that process and they can get you where you need to be. And and if you need credit repair, they have resources for that as well. And a lot of the lenders I work with, they can handle that themselves and they can say, hey, you, you know, if we pay off this and do this, move this here, it'll raise your credit score and they can do a rescore with your credit, you know, in a couple of days as well. So, and as a real estate agent, how many referrals when it comes to lenders, do you give a client? Do you give two, three? I give, you know, a lot of it just depends on the the person and their personality. And if they bank somewhere that has a good mortgage program, some banks don't have great mortgage programs and they just turn around and they sell them. So they may charge a higher rate. Whereas, you know, some lenders service their loans, so they're not selling them off and, your loan's going to stay at that bank, you know, for the entire life of your loan. Which you recommend, like that. you recommend that, don't you? I, d- I do think that's easier for people. Yes. And you can know that in advance before you. Correct. Re- okay. And so that's yes. a question to be asking a lender. Correct. And yes, how would you, how would you frame that question? Do you all service your loans or do you sell them? And selling would not be the option you want to hear, right? It's not bad. I mean, it just means that you're going to get something in the mail saying, you know, your loan has been bought by another company. So that just means that you send your payment to a different company. So what's the benefit of having it stay with just one company? It's, it just might be, it just might be easier for you not to have to deal with, okay, and it's going here. I've actually had people come to sell their house and they're like, I don't even know who has my mortgage anymore, anymore because right? it's changed so many times. Yeah. But you know, some people don't care. So that's true. You know, that's a lot of it's, if I get a better rate, you know, like let's say with the broker or mortgage lender, you know, they, they care more about that than they do whether or not it's being serviced by the same provider. So, you know, you just have to look at what's most important to you. So fixing your credit, getting your credit where you want it to be, trusting your lender, asking your lender some good questions. What what else would you recommend to someone who's been through a divorce? Maybe they've been a homeowner, maybe they haven't, but they're now on their own. It's only their income and they're interested in buying a house. What else would you recommend? I would also say when you sit down with your lender, you talk to your lender, say, this is the payment I feel comfortable with. What kind of house, you know, what price range of house does that look like? You do not want to be house poor. Right. Um, and what is the ratio? So is it 40% of your income or less should be your mortgage? It, it, it's just, it's different to everybody because, you know, some people, you know, they want to travel or they, so I, I don't even know that that's a hard and fast rule anymore. I would just say at the end of the day, what, where do you feel comfortable? If people are eating out, you know, there's things you can tell people nowadays, like, you know, eat more meals at home or, you know, but that's not the life that people live now. So look at your lifestyle and what kind of payment is comfortable for you. You know, if they come back and they say something that you don't like, for example, if they said, you know, $250,000 and you're looking in the market and you you can't find anything at that price range, then you can decide, you know, well, maybe I won't have as many Starbucks or, you know, whatever. And I can cut back and 
these other areas, you know, definitely going into it with where you feel comfortable and not overextend yourself so you can do the things that, that you want to do that make you happy. Right. Because there's more to life than owning a home when it comes Correct. to happiness. No, yes. I think a good point to also talk about is I know when I own my own condo, I always just focused on the mortgage, Angela. I wasn't thinking about the principal interest or the property taxes and all of that. So right. what are all of the expenses that people really need to be considering? It's way beyond just a mortgage when you own a home. Right. And and a good lender should inform you of those things. You know, they should talk to you about what closing costs are prior to you making an offer on a house. You know, this is what you can expect to be paying in closing costs. And in a contract, you can ask for a seller to pay for those for you, which means you're just basically absorbing it into the loan, which it's hard to do right now in this market because it's so competitive. Right. But that is an option for people. Um, and rates are so low. It's just why not? I mean, you might as well try. But knowing, you know, what kind of closing costs between closing fees and, you know, title policies and things like that, that, you know, each state is different, what they cost, but, you know, no upfront, you know, I, I've had some people come to me and they have no idea what their closing costs are going to be. So um, they should give you some sort of good faith estimate so that you can know what kind of closing costs are and then what your principal and interest are, which those are paid to the lender and then your taxes and your insurance. Right. And if you own a condo, you have association fees as well. And you have association fees. Yes. Plus so all the utilities. Correct. Yes. So that's so, a lot more than just a mortgage, which I learned the hard way when I owned my condo and, years ago. And you can. I mean, my daughter lives in a two-bedroom house here in Tulsa Midtown, and her she pays more in her utilities for a little two-bedroom house than I do in mine. Not because it's more expensive, just because it's not very well insulated, and there's a lot of other things that go into it. Um, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, you know, so those are good things to ask your realtor when you're, you know, have them ask you know, about utilities and all of those things. Right. You know, if you know, if you know you're moving into a certain county, you know, what, what does water and trash and all those things cost? But absolutely, when you're putting an offering on a house, those are good things to ask. You know, what are your average utilities? And people can pretty easily look those up, you know, with the different companies. So, And speaking of real estate agents, obviously that's what you do for a living. So what, what are some qualities of an agent should we absolutely be looking for? First of all, I would say somebody who, you know, you trust because this is a huge thing in your life, a huge milestone. I mean, you're putting a lot of trust in somebody to take care of you through the process. So you want somebody who you can trust, you know, with your private information and meeting your needs and working hard for you. Also like personality style, you know, finding somebody who works well with your personality, who listens to what you have to say and isn't over talking you or trying to convince, you know, if, if you're working with somebody and they're trying to put pressure on you and you don't feel like it's right, you know, you need to kind of take a step back and reevaluate that relationship. You know, at any time, if you don't feel like somebody, you know, realtor is working with you or understands what your needs are or anything like that, you know, you can always say, Hey, I appreciate your time and effort right now, but or up to this point, but I think I'm going to find, you know, somebody else. And I, I really feel like talking to people that are friends or coworkers or family, you know, those people that know you would probably be good 
sources for referrals. You know, oh, I've worked with this person before and they were really good and very attentive. And, you know, you want somebody that's going to answer your text when you text them or answer your call when you call them. Yes. And somebody who's not going to get irritated because, you know, oh, I want to go back and look at that house one more time. That is absolutely your right to do that. And you don't want somebody that's going to make you feel bad. Exactly. So it's such a big investment, such a big purchase. And somebody who has, you know, experience with inspection companies, you know, that has a good inspector. So when you go, you finally are in contract on a house and you want to do inspections, you know that they're going to refer someone that is reputable, that will stand behind their inspections and, you know, do a good thorough job for you. So you really know, you know, all of the qualities and exactly what you're buying. I also am so curious to hear from you when it comes to inspections. Do you give referrals for that? How many referrals do you give for that? I frequently give several. And and, and again, it's just learning your clients and what their personality style is and and what their needs are. You know, some people like a lot of handholding and when they go through the inspections, they want somebody who's going to go back over everything with them and, you know, walk them through the house and say, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. Some people want the down and dirty, like this is good. This is bad, you know, whatever. So a lot just depends on the personality styles. I frequently give several options and then people can, you know, do research online or call them or, you know, a lot of people are just like, okay, just pick somebody. (laughs) But, you know, that's where it's important to have a good agent that's not just picking Joe Blow that, you know, not thorough and not looking out for your best interest as a buyer. So So in this market that we are experiencing right now, it is really a seller's market, wouldn't you say? Yes. Right. Do you see this changing anytime soon? We're starting to sort of see that shift now a little bit slowing down. So you think but by spring seeing, it might be? We're not seeing many, you know, it's it's supply and demand. So right. unless we start to get more, more inventory, inventory uh, you know, we could very possibly continue in that vein into the spring. But right. And some people seeing... who are buying houses right now, I mean, they're really inflated. I mean, the prices are inflated. That's just common knowledge. Yes. So if yes. you're going to be buying a house right now, how long should you expect to hold on to that house in order to make a profit eventually? A long time. I, I think, think that's something you definitely have to talk to your realtor about in the process. Say, hey, I'm only going to be here for potentially two years. And I'll absolutely tell someone this is not a good time house for you to buy. Right, right. Because if you call me in two years, I don't want to say, wow, you paid way too much for this house. Right. I'm not going to be able to sell it. You know, you don't want to have to give the information. So, you know, do the best that you can to, you know, look at the comps and see where you are. And if, and if it's too high, maybe look at renting or doing something else in the meantime, so that you're not in that position where you're buying over what the house is really worth just to get in a house. You know, it's different if you are homeless and you don't have anywhere to go, but I mean, you know, trying to find, you know, temporary housing might be a better option than, you know, jumping into something and paying too much for it as well. If you need to sell it sooner than later. Yes. Right. Yes. Would you say that owning a home is a full-time job? I think it, it, I wouldn't say full-time job, but it is, it does require a lot of maintenance between your yard and maintaining the exterior. And and a lot of times people come and they'll say, oh, you know, I I made this update and I made this update. And we expect that over time that people are going to be making updates to a house, you know, updates don't necessarily add a lot of value, but you, you, because they're expected over time. Sure. New Um, roof, new boiler. Right. Those things, those things do add value. Yes. Because a new roof means your insurance rates are lower and those are big expenses that as a, you know, buyer, you don't want to have to take on, you know, in the first few years. So yeah, looking for, you know, age of roof, age of heat and air, hot water tank, those things like that. You know, those are important questions to ask going into it so that, you know, kind of where you stand and and a good inspector will say, you know, hey, this hot water tank is 
is functioning properly, but it is 20 years old. So they're, the expected life of isn't probably more than four or five years. So you know, okay, four or five years, I'm probably going to have to replace that. What would you say to a divorced mom who got some type of settlement after her divorce and feels like she should buy a home, but might not emotionally be ready? Gosh, I would say, you know, don't, if you're not emotionally ready, I would say, wait, you know, that's not something that you want to do. You, you need to be right with that. It's a stressful process, even with the best people, with the best lender and the best realtor, it's still a stressful process. So you do it when you're ready. It's kind of like dating, I guess, you know, right. <laughs> some people, you know, it takes time and that you just, you have to be right with it. So same with homes. Don't jump into something just because other people are telling you you're ready and you need to do it. Talk to a financial advisor and get, say, Hey, I'm going to put this money away. Or am I going to have any penalties or tax consequences if I just put this away until I buy and they'll tell you, you know, it may be six months might be a huge difference. So just emotionally, emotionally, yeah. financially, right. Well, I know that I definitely am not ready emotionally to own a home. I am fine with waiting for a while. So I think that's just refreshing to hear that, you know, you can have your home wherever you're living. You don't have to be owning a house to have a home. Well, Angela, this has all been so very helpful. I wish you lived in Minnesota because then when I'm ready to buy a house, you could be my agent, but you have an amazing relocation department. Talk about that for a minute. Yes, we do. We work with companies all across the United States and we have an amazing team that we work together to put people together with amazing realtors wherever they live. I call and I talk to the agents before, you know, I even put them in touch with the people just to make sure it's a good fit. And their personalities will match and they have the same work style. So, so you're kind I'm of a matchmaker. Too. Look at you over there. Kind of a matchmaker. Yeah. Happiness you're creating. Matching yeah. realtors with People. lovely uh, divorcees who are ready to buy a home. I love it. <laughs> Yes, yes, I would love I would love to help anybody who's having a problem trying to locate somebody in their area. They don't have friends and family that can make a referral. I absolutely could put them in touch with somebody in their area who would work hard to represent them and take good care of them. Wonderful. And how can the listener find you on social media if they want to take you up on that? They can find me on Facebook, Angela Rehm, R-E-H-M. My website is your Y-O-U-R, Tulsa, T-U-L-S-A, Realtor. And you're on Instagram. That's how we met. Uh, yes, I am. That is Angela Rehm, R-E-H-M, 616 on Instagram. And I'll have all that information in the show notes, listeners. So you can just go to the show notes as well and make it really easy for you. Well, Angela, this has been really helpful and inspiring. I hope everyone listening will take you up on all of these wonderful tips as he or she starts to look for that home sweet home. Thanks again. Yes, thank you. I want to thank my guest, Angela Reem, again for her many fantastic tips. I know that I feel better prepared to buy a home now after this conversation today with her, and I hope you feel the same way. All of this talk about home sweet homes is making me feel so happy, which makes it the perfect time, of course, to share a tip to happiness with you. Say these tips to happiness. What makes a house a home? Well, part of it is what we bring into the house, right? So maybe it's the artwork that you bring into your new house, the photographs of your family. It's the the furniture, your own bed, your own favorite chair. Of course, your, your knickknacks, all those things you've collected from all of the travels you've gone on throughout your life. And also, also what makes your home a special happy home is all of the memories that you create in it. So my tip for happiness today is for you to create some new happy memories 
memories in your new home with your family, with yourself, with your friends. Uh, Ideas that I did that I want to share with you is when I moved into the flat, my kids and I began to have people over, to have special meals, to have dinner parties. We had so many people over. It felt so fantastic because I didn't have to ask anybody else if it was okay to have friends over. I could just have friends over. It felt like uh, being in my 20s again. It was so fantastic. And we also created uh, some fun theme parties, one of them being our annual bake-off party. I have a February birthday. And so my kids and I, we love the British bake-off show. I know, again, a little British theme. And so we decided to have a bake-off theme party for my birthday. And we had all of our friends over and they brought their own baked delicious treat. And we had this competition and we gave out awards and everybody loved it. And it became a tradition. So create some fun theme parties, some, some fun traditions in your new space. Another thing my kids and I did is we started having unique game nights. Uh, one of the games that we liked to play initially when we moved into the flat was hide and go seek in the dark in the basement because it's one of those old houses that has kind of a fun, creepy basement. My kids and I loved that and they had flashlights and I'd go and find them and we had so much fun doing that. And then another fun game that we played, my landlord, uh, Gary, who's the kindest man you'll ever meet. He owns an ice cream shop. He's like Mr. Rogers. He's just so happy. Well, he had this gnome. He left this gnome in the closet. My kids and I, we started hiding the gnome around the house and we had to go find the gnome. And it just became this new fun game that we did together. It created many happy memories. And, you know, also get to know your neighbors, invite them over, bake them something, have community outside of your home. We've done that as well. And and that's been a lot of fun. My kids have made friends in the neighborhood and it's just, it's so fun to be connected to other people in your neighborhood. We have a neighbor who lives down the street, Kate, who has gnomes, speaking of gnomes, in her yard. And so during COVID, we would take walks almost every day to Kate's house to see the magical gnomes and to just feel connected to someone else outside of ourselves. So my tip to happiness today again is to create some memorable moments in your new home. Well, I am so excited for you and your home sweet home adventure, whether you're renting or you're buying a house after divorce, you and I know what makes a house a home is the positive experiences that you create in it. It's the peace and comfort that you find in it. It's it's the time you spend with your loved ones. All of those things make your house your home. And I am so excited for you to create all of those sweet, happy memories. Please be sure to also follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also follow Say's Divorced and Happy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net, where you'll find all of the podcast episodes and my blog on life after divorce. If you've found value in today's episode, or if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, I would love it if you would treat me to a cup of coffee. It's simple. All you have to do is visit www.buymeacoffee.com backslash. Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two online, and I thank you in advance for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, loving her home sweet home, and I cannot wait to connect with you on the next episode of the podcast. Until then, you take good care.